2: Ron and
3: Anian.
4: Easy enough fix. I took both sensors, broke them, put them in a vise, and, you know, vented my frustration with a hammer and showed that sensor who's boss. And uh, it worked. That fixed the TPMS light.
0: my key.
3: The Car Doctor. But if I put my hand over the throttle body and basically choke the
5: engine, it'll start.
0: Okay. I want to know what this thing is looking for. Welcome to the radio home of Ron and Anian, The Car Doctor. Since 1991, this is where car owners the world over turn to for their definitive opinion on automotive
3: repair. If your mechanic's giving you a busy signal, pick up the phone and call in.
4: The garage doors are open. But I am here to take your calls
2: at
4: eight five 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 six oh ninety nine hundred. And now here's something we hope you'll really like. Here's Ronnie. I always think of Forrest Gump every time I go into the shop on a Monday because it's it's an auto repair shop is like a box of chocolates. You never know what you're gonna get and every week just varies and it just varies with such an intensity that it, it drives me every week to just want to do more and more and more because it's just such a it, it's such a rush at times of Holy cow! You just think you solved this one, and there couldn't be anything crazier or more complex or more rewarding. And then all of a sudden, the next thing comes along. We had um, and I was just telling Tom before the show the shop is so crazy busy right now. It's it's, and I don't know why I can't figure it out. We, it, you know, it, believe me, if 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 there's a definition of laying low, that's us because we don't advertise, we don't market, we don't. You know, we, we, you hardly ever hear me talk about the shop here on the show, except for the fact that I'm talking about it now, but I still won't tell you where it is or what it is. You got to find it. And we're just crazy busy. I don't get it. We had a bunch of Subarus this week. And, you know, they they kind of keep you on your toes, Subarus, because they are, they are becoming the Chevy Impala of this generation. There's a lot of them out there. Everybody's driving one. They're getting very common and... You know, they're, they're, in my opinion, they're dirt cheap to buy, dirt cheap to work on. And, you know, they've, they're developing similar, very common problems, just like the Chevy Impalas of the 60s and the 70s and the 80s. We had a couple this week with wheel bearing issues. Um, one of them was kind of fun. One of them was sort of perilous. And one of them just was easy to do. It just, it varied. It was like that box of chocolates. You never knew what you were going to get. We did clear the local warehouse out of rear wheel bearings for that, you know, 14 to 18 model year Subaru Crosstrek Outback, that four-bolt hub style bearing, because we probably bought, well, we bought uh, bought four this week. Uh, Like I said, there was more than a few. We cleaned out the local warehouse at the stock level, and they had a reorder right away, and it was just kind of, you know, look what we're doing. Every one of these repairs was was rusted it was a rear wheel bearing if you're driving your car and you know pay, do you pay attention do you notice you're turning the radio up louder do you you know you hearing from the back of the car and you're going hmm you know it's probably not a tire it's probably a wheel bearing if it's a Subaru and it's got more than 50,000 miles on it it could very well be a bad wheel bearing we see it at all the ones we worked on this week varied in mileage from one had 58,000 miles on it to one had 102,000 miles on it but they were all there they were all making noise Soaked them up real good. We always soak them up. We always, you know, try and get as much penetrant on there. There's nothing better. I'm not going to lie. There's nothing better than PB Blaster in my opinion for this. Soaked it up with some PB Blaster, and um, it, you know, I I love the pro straw because it it lets me get it right where I want. There's a parking brake shoe assembly right next to the flans that you have to soak, and it lets you get it right in the crevice and the cracks of the flange, so you don't get it all over the parking shoes and make a mess. And you know, the, the first one. We we hit it with some PB Blaster. We put bolts in the back, twelve millimeter by one two five, about two inches long, the thread bolts. And we put it a caddy corner, and we just kind of give it a little nudge with the air chisel. First one popped out. Kind of gave us hope. We thought, hey, you know, how bad could this be? This is this just might be, you know, and. Of, of course, Danny's just like excited and he's worn out at the same time because he's doing the same repetitive thing four times in a row. He's like, really, what are we running a special? I go, yeah, I got a sign out on the boulevard, you know, that says rear wheel bearing Subaru 2995. Um, I don't, but you get the joke, small joke, a dad joke. Um, I made Tom laugh, sort of, um, or look at me funny. So uh, the second one Yo! yeah thank you I knew there was something coming. So the second one required a little bit more patience, a little bit of heat, a little bit of a little bit more PB blaster and uh, some wait time. And you tend to you know as you're exploring this box of chocolates you're, you you tend to stagger the day you you look at the repairs and you know which one needs going to need some soak time, which is going to need some penetrant, and you, you, as soon as you get the first one done, you know, it's, what do you want to bring in next? Well, I've got two easy oil changes. No, bring in the next wheel bearing, because it's 1130, we can get it stripped down, we can get some PB blaster on there, let it soak through lunch, come back at 1 o'clock, and the creep action will have done its job at that point, point. we'll see if it comes apart. Second one required a little bit of heat, like I said, the one side, and then, and then the next one, the third one, we... It, it, it came right apart having sat for an hour because we did two at once and, um, you know, PB Blaster did its job. It was the fourth one that, you know, I was looking for a warm caramel center in the middle of this box of chocolates. And it sort of gave me a hard peanut because it just it, it's the kind you break your tooth on. We heated it. We PB Blastered it. We soaked it. We let it sit overnight. Um nothing got this wheel bearing and hub out. And it was Tuesday morning when we hit it with the torch again. You know, <laughs> that box of chocolate sure has its surprises because the bearing finally came out. Um, but the hub pulled out the center bearing stayed in the center, of the guts, the hub of itself stayed in. And um, then the seal fell off the outer seal that seals against the hub. And um, as it was catching fire, I, I wanted to get it away from the car because, you know, I don't want to set the car on fire any more than it already was. Too bad the garbage can was right underneath where the wheel bearing went. And so now the seal that was on fire fell into the garbage can filled with, you know, paper and cardboard and part boxes. And um, and it sure is amazing. You know, I never saw Danny move so fast as he took that garbage can, picked it up and wheeled it right out the door. And then we hit it with the hose to put it on fire be- out, out before the fire spread. Because eh, I figured burning the shop down on a Tuesday probably isn't a great idea. At least let's try and make it to Wednesday. But that seemed to do the trick, because that kind of relieved us, and for whatever reason, right after that, we hit it with the air chisel, and that bearing came out, and we learned a bunch of different ways to do wheel bearings in Subarus this week, and uh, we know for sure, that which we kind of knew beforehand, that we've got to use a good penetrant, PB Blaster works great, Um, it is the solution, it really is, and we learned a bunch of... Patience is involved, and we also learn we need a, a stockpile of twelve by one two five thread millimeter bolts. Matter of fact, we shot a video about one of the episodes, and you know you're going to see it. We'll get it get it up on the web very shortly, and um, uh, you know we'll have it up there probably in the next week or two. And you can see exactly what goes on. But it's just, if you're running into this, and that's the point of this opening conversation, obviously safety is it, and, you know, you want to be safe, and you want to be sure of what you're doing, and, you know, be careful, be thinking, because I was careful in thinking, and I still managed to set the garbage can on fire. But, you know, it's what they do. And every one of those bearings was just smoked. And the danger is that if that bearing fails and the wheel comes off, you know, that's a whole nother problem. And we're just seeing bearing failure as a common thing on these Subarus. And it's just something to be aware of. So uh, that's, um, you know, that's just a word of the wise, right? If you're driving an old, not even an older Subaru, you know, it's going to be six, seven years old now. Um, just be aware of what it is you got. And, you know, and listen, lest anybody think this is a uh, this is a rant against um, Subaru, it's not. I've got other stories. I could tell you the story about the 2013 uh, Hyundai Santa Fe that the rear end failed this week it um customer came in it came in on monday and it you know needed breaks we did breaks it needed a couple other odds and ends and we were looking for this lunging this bucking problem that happened on left hand turns only which we didn't see the customer said it happened to them once we didn't experience it we couldn't duplicate it we couldn't replicate it and sent it back out the door and on wednesday we got a phone call that it happened again so i had them bring it in the next day and we couldn't duplicate it and put the car up in the air again looked it all over only this time. This time, I saw a piece of the rear differential assembly sticking out through the rear end cover. It exploded. Uh, my theory is, my belief is that when it, he felt the first lurch prior to bringing it in, that's when the failure occurred, and then it took a while for it to work its way through the differential cover and failed. And that isn't even, okay, so that's a failure. That isn't even the interesting part of the story. This shout-out goes out to Jimmy, who's the local Hyundai dealer service manager, my new buddy. Um, I had a really great conversation with Jimmy. He called me up to get the information because I sent the customer up to the dealer on the chance that it might be covered under warranty um, because they do carry 10-year, 100,000-mile coverage. But unfortunately, my customer was the second owner, and that negates that. But I had a really great conversation with Jimmy, and he said, you know, that, Ron, there may not be parts available for this. And, you know, here's that surprise in a box of chocolates thing. And I said, well, what do you mean it may not be available? Well, it's nine years old. You know, it may be that he has to go to a salvage yard and get something out of a salvage yard. You know, Hyundai is not known for, you know, necessarily saying, yeah, we're going to make parts for any great length of time or any length of time. And, you know, he didn't agree with it. I'm not saying he did. He was kind of disappointed in the fact that he had to tell me that. Um, But it's just, it's amazing what goes on out there every day. You know, like I said, when you walk into a repair shop on a Monday, you never know what you're going to get. It's always an interesting scenario as the week unfolds. 855 560 9900. I'm running Annie in the Car Doctor. We'll be back to take your calls, see what your box of chocolate's all about this week. Right after this, don't go away.
1: at purdueglobal.edu I got it, I got it I got your number on the wall I got it, I got, I got it. it, for a
0: good
4: time for a good
0: time call. Write it on the wall so you don't forget to call for car advice done right. Eight five 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 six zero nine nine zero zero. Now, back to Ron.
4: Welcome back. You know, I should just comment too that in talking to jimmy it was kind of refreshing from the hyundai dealer i was speaking with you know same problems same business different sign over the door same problems can't find technicians um the backlog of vehicles that he has to fix the struggle that he has every day in getting parts the struggle that he has every day in explaining what's really wrong with the vehicle and and the trials and tribulations that they face it's uh it's 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 eerily similar the industry has really grown together into the same mess i will say that um it's not going to be easy getting the car fixed in the future it's not easy now and it's not going to get any better in the foreseeable future because of the technology that we're dealing with and um i I was kind of staggered when he said to me we we talked briefly on uh, electric vehicles this uh this gentleman jim uh from the hyundai dealer that i recently spoke with and he was saying that something to the effect of and i'm gonna have to i'm think we got to get him on the show i'd like to hear about this he was saying that hyundai is now requiring their dealers to build a storage facility to house their the lithium batteries for the electric vehicles something akin to a bomb shelter so it's safe and secure storage in the event of some sort of fire or uh, some other um you know problem so uh great we're gonna have, you know dealerships have to have bomb shelters to be safe i just i heard that and i went no nah, i Ah, uh, the future. Let's go over to Terry in Wisconsin, 05 Chevy Equinox. I'm not going to talk about electric cars today. It'll take up the next five hours, and I'm only on for two. Terry, welcome aboard, sir. How can I help?
5: Well, I'll tell you what. I got that Chevy Equinox, a uh, six-cylinder, and when you turn the key, it's it sounds like it's going to start, but then it sounds like the, the Bendix is not coming back. It keeps winding. Okay. And then you let off the key, and it stops. Then you do that several times, and it does that. Then all of a sudden, it won't do it. Now, I'm thinking, I got three three people told me three different things. Mine was the, the starter was losing some teeth. Or the, my mechanic told me, oh, that's your air, your AC compressor. And another guy from a, 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 a parts store told me, advanced, told me that... He says there's a fuse box on top of the battery, and one of them fuses controls the in and out of your starter to tell it to go back in. Well, I never heard anything so far-fetched in my life. You know, I've been around the block, but I haven't been around that far. Mm. <laughs> so I, I got three things to go on, and none of them uh, that really sound anything normal than mine that maybe just
4: starter's bad. Terry, sorry, are you saying that it sounds like the starter's not meshing properly with the flywheel?
5: Kind of, yeah.
4: Is it it the similar sound if the engine was running? Is it the similar sound as if if the engine were running and you went to crank it and the starter engaged with the flywheel with a running engine? It's that loud metallic noise, that ringing sound?
5: No, no, don't have anything like that. It just sounds like the the Bendix isn't coming back.
4: Okay. And what makes you think it's not?
5: Well, I don't know. I I can't think of why. Why would that be winding like that?
4: Well, if the Bendix, if the Bendix is, it sounds like the Bendix isn't properly engaging with the flywheel. All right. Um, Or it sounds like there's a problem internal in the starter. So, you know, do, does it ever give you a situation where you turn the key and nothing happens? It always makes the noise. It always tries to do something.
5: Yeah, well, it doesn't do it all the time. Sometimes it won't do it for a whole month, and then all of a sudden, out of nowhere, it does it.
4: Right, and, but other the other times, the starter, it always will tend to start the car. If it's not making that sound, it will start the engine, correct? Oh, yeah. Okay. Oh, yeah. So you know, here's what you can do. I mean, to explain the fuse comment, if you go to the underhood fuse block, the left rear corner of the engine compartment, there's gonna yeah. be a there's gonna be a 30 amp fuse just for the starter circuit. That 30 amp fuse is a direct feed to the purple wire going to the solenoid hot at the starter. All right. So the the gentleman in yeah. advance is sort of right. That fuse does power the solenoid feed circuit, but it's it's, it gets energized through the starter relay in that underhood fuse block, and that starter relay is controlled by the main engine computer. All right? I don't think your problem All is right. necessarily with the starter being activated. It sounds like it's being activated. It's just not mechanically connecting to or mechanically meshing with the flywheel properly. So the problem's either at the starter or at the flywheel itself. I would get yourself a good quality rebuilt starter or replacement starter, whatever your preferences of choice of brand. Pull the starter out, crank the engine around at least once, looking for damaged teeth on the flywheel. If you see none, then I'd replace the starter. It's a good place to start because everything else is just a guess.
5: Yeah, so That's what I was thinking. The only place that I could think of with common sense would be to start with the starter.
4: Right, but but I would you not know? just replace the starter at random. I would, like I said, I would crank it around and check the flywheel. Believe it or not, an internal combustion engine, depending upon how many cylinders it has, will always stop at the same one out of three places or one out of four places. And if you yeah. you know if you want to see an example of it, take a look at airplanes. Take a look at some of the pictures. You'll go on YouTube and you'll see B seventeen starting up with their big giant propellers. Look at when they stop. Yeah. They always seem to stop in the same location, right? It's either with one of the yeah, spokes right. straight down, or it's or or, or it's one of the spokes one of the spokes of the propellers straight up. Um, you know, it's it's not at random. You never see them. And they always seem to stop in unison in the same position. That's just a characteristic yeah. of the physics of an internal combustion engine. So my point is that that same spot on the flywheel, it's one of three, I think, on a V6. That same spot is always being engaged. So, uh, you know, I have seen flywheels wear out. That that one spot that's constantly being used on a repetitive basis could, you know, could wear out or damage a tooth from a bad starter, especially. You could have a bad flywheel from a damage problem on the starter and a bad starter. But pull the starter out, check it. Spin it around. If it looks good, get yourself a replacement starter and go from there. But I think that'll solve your problem for you. Um, and, you know, as for the rest of it, it sounds like a bunch of wise tales. People don't want to diagnose. Uh, they want to guess. So let's uh, let's cut that out. Eight five five 560 9900 We're on the name of The Car Doctor. I'm back right after this.
1: at purdueglobal.edu Who's going drive you home tonight?
4: There, that's the on button. I showed it Tom, Ron and Amy, the car doctor at your service. I'm having button problems you know, today. Wait, 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 wait. Yeah. Last week it was the light switch. Right. Now you can't hit the on button properly? I think I'm having button I th- I think I have I think I have button a topus. I, you got button something. <laughs> button something. I can't. I'm just having button problems. I don't know what it is. Um, let's see. Let's go over to. Uh, let's go to Kevin in Massachusetts. 05 Dodge. Kevin, welcome to the Car Doctor, sir. How can I help?
5: Hey, Ron, long time listener. How are you doing today?
4: Good, sir. Thank you. I appreciate you being there. What can I do for you?
5: Good. Hey, uh, with the weather getting hot, stuff. I turned my air conditioner on in here and uh, noticed that the air on the driver's side seems to be coming out harder and colder than the air on the passenger side. Is there like a mixing valve stuck maybe in there, or
4: is this is this split zone AC? Is this can you can you diff- no, no? So it's it's one it's one temp both sides. Yep. Okay. Um. Uh, you know, basics would be you know scanning for codes just to see if you see anything because you know we always like every time I tell you guys I every time I go to the doctor they take my heart rate blood pressure I'm there to get my toenails clipped. Um. You know, so okay. it just has nothing to do with it, but you know you just want to, you know. Just do basics. Right. Um, it it yep. really, it really sounds like you're going to end up finding out you're low on refrigerant, and and the reason I say that is as far fetched as that sounds, because you would think that if you were low on refrigerant, you would have equal cooling or equal heat loss gain, whatever. Both sides. Yep. Uh, it seems that on some of the Dodges, Dodges and Fords seem to be afflicted with if it runs low on refrigerant it will affect yep. one side, not the other. And it's just the way well, some like, of the models, that hit the evaporator cores are made.
5: Yeah, I suspect it's probably a little low. You know, it's an older job, 246,000 miles. So. Right, right. Like you say, just broken in.
4: Right, yep, just ready to go. <laughs> and and for the <laughs> record, you know, you can sit there and you could hook up a set of gauges and there's, there's a series of charts you can look at and... You can say, well, this pressure and ambient temperature, I should see this on the gauges and so on and so forth. And you know what? My experience has been uh, it's not worth the effort. If you think it's low on charge, if it's been more than three years since you've serviced it, I would like to pull out what's in there, measure it, put it back in. Um, it cuts to, the, it, to me, it cuts to the chase. A lot of guys will disagree with me, but you know what? It'll get me right to the heart of the matter. If I pull out two pounds and it's a two-pound system, I know I'm looking for something else. If I pull out one pound and it's a two-pound system, I know I'm looking for a leak. If I pull out three pounds and it's a two-pound system, it tells me somebody else worked on it, and the guy was lying to me when he said he didn't. Uh, (laughs) So it just sort of covers the bases. And I'm not sitting there trying to look up a chart that, in my opinion, seems to change on a regular basis because since there's no sight glass, I can't tell if it's low on charge or not until I measure what's in there. And to me, using a machine is the most accurate for the do it yourselfer, yep. uh you know, that's a different conversation. You can try and do it by gauges and pressure, but then in the end you're going to, you know, okay, so it's low on charge. Now what? Now I've got to add. How much do you add? I don't know how much is in there. Bingo. We're back to evacuate the system, how much is in? Then you know how much you got to right. put back in. Um uh you know, it's it's funny how AC is to me one of the harder and yet simpler things to diagnose. I think You've got to take a, a slightly different eccentric approach. Monday, I'm going to charge a newer Dodge product with 1234YF, the new refrigerant. And, yep. you know, the experience with that is is just so insane. You know, you've got to know that the system's fixed. It's coming to us from another shop. They're doing a repair and... They're scheduled to have us charge it. They don't have a machine. And as I explained to them, we've got to know if the system has integrity before I hook the machine up. And once I hook the machine up, the machine is going to do this ecstatic, or I'm sorry, very consequential um, uh, leak check. And air conditioning has gotten to be one of the more complex vehicles or problems to work with on a vehicle. I had a hybrid. I know I'm off the subject here, so bear with me. Um, I had a hybrid yesterday, a Prius, a Toyota Prius that somebody wanted the air conditioning serviced and charged on. He was visiting from Virginia, and we couldn't do it because this particular hybrid requires, like a lot of the hybrids, requires a specific refrigerant oil, and we don't have a machine that has that oil in it. And, uh, you know, I don't think I'm ever going to have one. Uh, you know, if I, had right. AC, if I had an AC machine to charge every type of system out there right now, I would
5: need... F- you would have another garage.
4: Well, I, I'd need four. All right, I need one thirty four regular cars, one thirty four hybrid, one two three four YF regular cars, one two three four YF hybrid. It's all different stuff, you know. I'm sort of thinking next year for Christmas instead of tools, I'm going to have Santa Claus bring me cinder blocks because I'm going to have to make the shop bigger. Uh, You know, it's just we're we're running out of room. Um, You know, it's it's uh, and it just goes on and on and on. So. But yeah, let's let's do a let's do a system check. Let's make just see what kind of pressures we've got. Um, yep. You know, are we low? If we're low, uh, you know, how low is the loss? How long? You know, we've got to pull a vacuum on it. And then, you know, one alternative I can give you is some soapy water works really well on flanges and joints where you think you might have a leak. You'll see bubbles or boobles, as I call right. them. Um, yep. You know, if you want to see small stuff, you can go out to your local auto parts store. There's a product on the market. that has been there a couple of years. They use it for finding leaks in tires. Now this is going to sound really strange. They use it for finding leaks in tires. It is <laughs> it is tire bubble soap. All right. Okay. And the first time my tire supply salesman tried selling it to me, I said, "Listen, you know, I was born, but not yesterday. Uh, <laughs> you know, it's it's you, you know there can't be anything special about this soap that makes it find leaks faster. But you know what? It is." It's it's like it's like regular soap on leak steroids, and it'll actually bubble up at a smaller leak faster to find leaks in tires. And we we started using it on the air conditioning. It's it's crazy, yeah. but it works. And that's something you, the consumer, can do. You've got the power now in your hands because you're just using soap and water, and it doesn't hurt anything. Um, so that's yeah, that's, that's, that's one alternative. So
5: all right, kiddo. Yeah. All right, Ron. Thank you very much. I always enjoy your show. And always enjoy tuning in to you every weekend.
4: You're very welcome, sir. I, uh, I, I'm i glad to hear that, and uh, I'm glad to be here for you guys. I really am. So you be well. You Thanks. take good care. Thank okay. you. Yes, sir. Um, yeah, I listen, you know what? It's it's who's got it better than me. I always think of that expression. The door rang last Sunday. It was Mother's Day. I told Tom this story, true story. The door rang last Sunday, and it was, uh, you know, I was home, and Um, I went to the door and there's a guy there with flowers and no, they weren't for me. They were for, they were for my wife because it was mother's day and the kids were sending her flowers. And I opened the door and I said, yes. And he said, flowers for, and I said, okay, sure. I said, uh, you know, and I gave the guy a couple of bucks and I said, thank you very much. And he looked at me and he cocked his head to the left and he went, you're the car doctor, aren't you? And I was, uh, Okay. And he said, yeah, I've got you on on the radio because we're, we're, we're on Sunday mornings in New Jersey on WGHT, the great WGHT out of Pompton. And, um, uh, you know, he said, you know, by the way, tell the owners of that station, thank you, because we appreciate them carrying the show. So, uh, you know, Frank, you're making inroads in North Jersey. Uh, there's people out there that absolutely love what you're doing. So like uh, so many of my affiliates, we're so grateful to be here for all of you. Eight five 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 six zero nine nine zero zero. The Car doctor's coming back right after this.
1: at purdueglobal.edu. I'm getting
4: ready to dance, Tom. Wait, wait,
0: let me shut my video off first.
4: Whatever happened to good music like that? Um... You know, it's funny, right? So the girls are getting married. It's no secret, and um, it's really it really cracks me up because when you go see the DJs and the bands and they ask for a music list, I know this has nothing to do with cars, so bear with me here. Um, there's actually a checkbox you can check off the type of music you don't want to hear, and at the top of the list is disco. And I asked them why, and he says, and every, every one of them, every one of the guys we talk to, to the person says, "Yeah, nobody wants to listen to disco anymore." Tom, I'm outdated.
1: <laughs> must be you and me both, yeah, I,
4: because uh, you know, <laughs> I, I like it. It has a beat, right? It's just good it's stuff. Just, yeah, we're not. To, you can dance to it. Not, not allowed to play disco at weddings. I don't know what it is. There is an anti disco crusade going on. So. Poor Donna Summer. So let's uh, let's go over to Kurt in Arizona. Kurt, what are you working on this week? You got to stop. How big is this house? How many cars can you have, brother?
3: <laughs> I have too many. I, I think so. <laughs> the the kids tell me that if what, I don't have any projects to do, I I get hungry. So I got to get new projects all the time.
4: Well, listen, if you if you want something to do, you can start building a train set. You know, you could build do like model trains. You you know, Arizona, you must have enough property, like what do you have, three, four thousand acres? I could imagine the outdoor train set a guy like you could build in a couple of years. Uh, No. Well,
3: I I have all my cars working, so I went and bought a ninety nine old fashioned classic bug from Mexico. Okay. And brought it up. All right. And uh because I think they're the coolest things ever. And my last kid headed off to college, and I said, "Hey, why don't you take this?" Oh He's yeah, up to, uh, and you know what?
4: You, you could give him a toolkit to work on it. All he all he would need is a fork, a knife, and a spoon, because you could fix the majority of those cars with just basic everyday <laughs> kitchen utensils. So um, <laughs> that's right. It's the truth. So okay. And your that's question? Why I love him. And your, and and your question to me is what? What?
3: I read that uh, the biggest uh, problem with bugs is that they have uh, rust problems. And since she's going up to where it snows and they put a lot of salt down on the road, I thought, well, what would happen if I painted the underside of the, the car? Would that be the best thing to do? Or is there some type of undercoating I should put underneath there? Because let's face it, she's not going to wash this car every week or every time she goes out in the salt. Right. And so I want to protect it from getting rust all over it. So, what's the best thing? Should I paint it or is that?
4: Well, there's there's two schools of thought. You could try one and then the other and see what holds up best for her for her application where she's going. Because you know, once the car's out of your sight, it's no secret. You know, I like Benjamin Moore Low Luster Alkyd. They're direct to metal, low luster paint that will will stick over the rust and and you know whatever there's existing. I enjoy it. I paint all my vehicles. We use it on the hot rods. We use it on all the classic cars, and we think it's a great preventative. All right. And you know that's that's just something that's been a standard now. You know the um, the other choice, one thing else you can do for a a rust concern is go online and look up New Hampshire oil undercoating. Here's a real smart bunch of guys, right? They actually took the idea of oil as an undercoating device and expanded upon it, and they've come up with a product. It's 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 a specifically engineered type of proprietary oil that's sprayed on the chassis of the vehicle um, and maintained will will prevent rust. Uh, you know, it's just it's just interesting. Read it's they're the only ones on the market that I know of. It's it's something special that everybody we get comments, especially up north, Maine and Mass, and you know the high salt content areas. And I'm not saying it doesn't work anywhere else, but uh, they love it. It's uh it's a great product. It's got cling. I was talking recently with a customer who lives in New Hampshire. He's in the shop a couple of times a year. He had just visited South Dakota and on the way back he had a mechanical issue we had to resolve for him. And I commented on how much sand there was under the truck and where did it come from? He goes, "Oh, I was driving the back roads of South Dakota, you know, taking the truck off-road and I just treated it. We had just done some New Hampshire oil under coating the previous winter and it was still there and it just provided a cling factor and um, you know, it didn't hurt the truck. It it just it went to the car wash, got it washed, it washed off, and he's as good as new. Um so you know, one of those two will work well for you. All
3: you got to right. put the New Hampshire oil on every year though?
4: Um I believe it's an I believe it's an annual annual event, yeah. But you can you know, but listen, what, who are you kidding? You're not gonna crawl under the car once a year anyway? You're looking for a reason to look at the car. Oh. Uh, right? <laughs> No. Well, well,
3: once it leaves out of state, though, I'm not probably going to see it that much.
4: Well, that's what you think. So trust me. You think it's not going to break? It's a 23-year-old Volkswagen. What do you, you know, it's it's. you don't think it's going to be, hey, Dad, the car does this. Um, so, all right, kiddo, do that. And let. Uh, if you have any more questions right. or problems, you know where to find me. You be well, Kurt. You take good care. Yes, sir. Thank you. I appreciate the call. 855-560-9900. The Car Doctor's coming back right after this.
1: at purdueglobal.edu
4: welcome back you know listening listening to kurt tell the story about his 99 volkswagen bug and um a mexican special there and uh it, it just brought back memories of so russell we grew up together, right? My brother from another mother. And, um, he was, we were, we were two of the trio. It was me, Russell and dirty Ernie. And, you know, we all each have our unique stories of childhood that we remember that we all remember about each other and the things we did. And it's probably timely that Kurt called with the Volkswagen question because Russell is actually visiting the area and we were out to dinner last night. We were talking about the old days, as you inevitably do. You know, we have that, you know, you have, it's that kind of relationship and friendship that we may not talk to each other for three weeks, three months, you know, et cetera. But you just pick the conversation right back up where you were on the next sentence uh, as if you had been talking all along. And we talked about when Russell got his first Volkswagen because Russell was the VW guru back in the day. And his father, um, Russell, was going to go to trade school, and his father um, helped him purchase a brand new, or sorry, secondhand. It was a used 72 or 73 Super Beetle. It was the first year for a Super Beetle with a flat windshield. I think it was 73, if I'm not mistaken. And the conversation was, you know, Russell. No modifying this. I want this car left stock. It has to get you from North Jersey to Central Jersey for the next year and a half while you go to trade school. Sure, Pop, no problem. Well, you know, that's kind of like giving Dennis the Menace the keys to the cookie jar. You don't give a Volkswagen aficionado a, a brand new or a, a, a an untouched Volkswagen and say, don't touch it. All right. So I, I asked him, I said last night, I said, how did you manage to get start modifying the car and he said well it was easy after two days of driving it, i got tired of listening to the muffler because it sounds so cheesy he said i got out of the car and i accidentally on purpose stepped on the muffler tip and broke the muffler and I, first time i came home my father heard this loud exhaust and he goes what happened to the car i don't know dad the muffler fell off it's cheap so i guess we have to put a new muffler on it I was, okay russell get a muffler but make sure you know it's a good one so Russell smartly said, Hey, Dad, look, I found this in the in one of the catalogs. I can put an exhaust header on the car that's made better, cheaper, for half the price of a regular muffler, and it'll last longer, and the car will get better gas mileage. Sure, go ahead. Two years later, the car had a two-inch chop with a big engine with Porsche barrels in it and twin Weber carburetors. It just, I'll never forget that. Russell, I love your brother. You're just too funny the way you do things. And it keeps me laughing to this day. I'm Ronnie Ainey and the car doctor, reminding each and every one of you, till the next time, good mechanics aren't expensive, they're priceless. See ya.